I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Thursday, September 3, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? Actually, we have a whole list of stuff on the docket, so we got to get down to business. First things first, so the market got whacked today, whacked pretty good, down 3%, bucks in the SPY, 125 points in the S&P Cash Index. That's a whacking. Why did that happen? Couple of reasons. Number one, we were in the redonkulous. This is the result of the redonkulous. You don't know from what number, you don't know which day, but in the end, it was redonkulous. We talked about it every single day. We talked about the whole thing every single day. You just didn't know from when and where. However, we need to bring up something else. So a couple of days ago, we discussed the fact that Prevailing wisdom would be that the market would trade up through the Labor Day holiday weekend. Well, what I said was, and this wasn't from a technical perspective, obviously didn't know anything, just saying that I like to go against the prevailing wisdom, and I had some kind of, whether it was a sneaking suspicion, whether it was a knock on the door from Nostradamus, whatever it was, I said... We could get one of those days this week. Well, I guess we had one of those days this week. So let's take it from there. What jumps off the page on the daily chart? First order of business, reversal day. On volume, nonetheless, 137 million shares traded in the SPY. So it's different than all the rest of recent. So we have a pickup in volume, which means that the big boys came out to play today, at least in part. We've got a 20-period moving average. Looks like they hit it on the daily chart. However, they did not. They missed it by that much, about 40 cents. We know the routine. Sometimes they'll come up short. Sometimes they'll spike it through. Sometimes they hit it on the nose. You never know which time is when. However, the question now remains, is that it? Or are they going to hit the 20-period moving average, go a lot lower... The bottom line or the bottom line question is, is this a one-day wonder or the beginning of a protracted sell-off? The odds do not favor a one-day wonder, not on a day like this. S&P's down 30, 40, 50 handles on a day. You can reverse that pretty readily available the next day. Market's down 125 points. It's generally the market trying to indicate something like, hey, we just at least put in a short-term, if not more, top. That being said, what happens from here? Well, anything goes, right? They can hit them again tomorrow being Friday, or we can get a quick dead cat bounce leading into the holiday weekend. The media will say, well, the market was just overbought, and now it's a little overdone on the downside. There's nothing really wrong, nothing changed, and they'll go on with that theme. That's if we get a nice, healthy dead cat bounce tomorrow. Now, let's take it a couple of steps further. What happens if we get a dead cat bounce on Friday? Well, you know what they just did. They put in what I like to call a breakdown candle. If the market's not going to go straight down and it begins to climb up the breakdown candle, which they tend to do a lot of the time, they want to at least make an effort, make an attempt to go get or test 
the breakdown candle high, or at least in that vicinity. It's too early to tell. We don't know. They could gap down tomorrow. We don't know. We're being the umpire calling balls and strikes. We're going to give both scenarios. What happens if we wake up to another gap down? What's the real first area of support that the market would A, be drawn to, and B, likely have a pretty healthy bounce? Well, we're going to give a general number for this video here, and it's really in the vicinity of 338 to 337. We'll split the uprights and say 337.50. If you just look at the chart and you say, what do markets like to do the majority of the time? They like to come back and test former breakout and former breakdown areas. Well, I can make a pretty good case that area around 337, maybe a little lower, 338, maybe a little higher. That general zone is in fact the last real breakout area. What happens if they gap below that stuff on Friday morning? Well, inside the numbers, members will have the details in real time. Here's something else that we discuss from time to time. We probably discussed it four or five times over the last week or so, which is shoving 10, 20, 25 pounds of manure into a five-pound satchel. You just can't do it. It's everybody running for the exit at the same time through the same door. You can't do it. The market was on a melt-up. When the market's on a melt-up, you have a bunch of weak hands that enter near the top. What's the definition of weak hands? The last people in are generally the first people out. And they're not the first people out at the highs. It's the institutional traders. It's the institutional money that's actually selling to the last people in at the highs. That's just the way the market works. That's the way the market has always worked. And that's the way it always will work. But when things start to go bad, the last people in realize, hey, wait a minute, I just made a big mistake. I got to get out of here. And they all begin running for the exits at the same time. We've also been discussing the term blow-off top. Was that a blow-off top? Well, it certainly qualifies. It could be. We may or may not ever see that number again. Time will tell. Here's what I will say. Let's say... The market has a dead cat bounce on Friday, and it doesn't necessarily go down anymore. Well, guess what? Is the uptrend on the daily chart disturbed? And the answer is, no, it's not. Still today, we're above all the moving averages, so all we have in terms of the daily chart and the trend is a bad day. The trend is the same as it was yesterday. We have an interesting potential candle development on the weekly chart, so it'll be interesting to take a look at this chart after Friday's close. A couple of other things that we've also mentioned before, I just want to reiterate them real quick before we move on to the next topic. And that is, what's the likely schematic going forward? Well, you have a couple of scenarios. You actually have three scenarios as far as I'm concerned. The market's in an uptrend, this was a one-day wonder, and they just keep grinding higher. That's scenario number one. Is that probable? No. Is it possible? Anything's possible. I don't think that's number one on the list of possibilities. Possibility number two, and I think this is the most likely scenario. So here's a market that's going to do this, right? Markets go up, markets go down. But I think market trades down for, let's call it a few weeks. Not in a straight line. We don't know how it's going to look. 
But I'm saying the market's going to trade down for a few weeks. Let's just say end of September into October, course, maybe is even a beyond. It's and still likely that you that's get it. another rally, whether it's the top or after the election, and they I'm just sure. continue Here's lower. Here's what I am sure with of: day after I'll day after be day, able to like identify some today. kind of a bottom if that scenario is true. So I don't really have to worry about exactly when or how long for the schematic that says. The market's likely going to go down to some point for, let's just say, three or four weeks for argument's sake. And then they're going to bounce. Do they make new highs or do they make a lower high? That'll also be a tell. It'll be interesting to see which one they choose. Do we have to know that now? No, it doesn't matter now. This whole thing is a hypothetical scenario after a down day. I'm way out over my skis, but I thought it was some good material to cover today. So just to wrap this one up, it's either going to make a lower high and go down again or make a higher high and go down again. So that's the scenario I see. So what am I saying here? Am I saying whoever wins the election, the market goes down anyway? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Write that one on a sticky note. We'll come back later, see if I was right. Let's check out inside the numbers. We're going to look at the commentary. We're going to look at stocks on the move. We always look the good, the bad, and the ugly. So let's see what happened to stocks on the move on a day when the market was taken out behind the woodshed, shot three times, and left for dead. First, the pre-market commentary. This goes up about, I don't know, 6.30, 6.45 in the morning, something like that. So wake up to a little pullback. Wasn't really developing into anything just yet. The market was basically down about that much all night long. So it was what it was. But we have an early number. 35.46. Here's the ES chart. Here's 35.46 as the horizontal line running across the screen. You know the routine. Everything right of the vertical is today's activity. So you can see what happened below 35.46. It's interesting. Food for thought. Might have been helpful to have that in your back pocket early in the morning. Moving right along. Now, here are the early thoughts. This is before the opening bell also, so they haven't yet breached 35.46. Now, back to the chart. There's 35.50, and you can see they made a low just above 35.50 before giving up the ghost. When you look at a five-minute chart, what were they doing? They never hit 35.50, and what they were doing is eating time off the clock, building energy to do what? Go lower. Moving right along. Before the opening bell, we'll let him go for a while. 35.50, we just talked about that. Now at 9.40, I'm saying they should be able to run a test of that's the same level. It's translated into the SPY, 3.55. So I was willing to participate, but they never hit it. They just traded right through it after eating time off the clock. And here you go, 9.48. 3.55.18 low against 3.55. Could that be it for a while? Yeah, could be. Did I take a trade in front of 355? No. They start trading away. 356.38, that's your gateway for higher prices. Didn't happen. Is 355 still good from a support perspective? Not the same, but should still be support. Can you count on it twice? Can't count on it, but should be an area the Bulls play defense. Well, guess what? When the Bulls got knocked on their ass, then that was it. You know, something else is going on. Moving right along. The longer time goes on, the less likely 355 will be support. Then we have a little snapshot at a little tiny profit in PD. It did the minimum deal. We'll take a look at stocks on the move after. 1010, showtime for the bulls. 
Now you've got closing hourly below. This is 10.12. Closing hourly below 3.55 will be bearish. Closing hourly below opens the door for the gap 3.52.58. Now there's your gap at 3.52.58 and they spent about 10, 15, maybe up to 20 minutes around that gap and that was it. Here's the hourly chart. There's a better picture of the gap. So that's when the selling accelerated. What I'll do from here is scroll up, let you pause the video and restart it so you can read the notes and go back to the charts to see what happened. I think on a day like today, the notes are important to really let sink in. It's not all about the numbers on a day like today. Part of the purpose of today is for a lot of traders to sit back and learn. You don't have to participate when the market is down this much today. Would have been nice to be short at the highs? Absolutely. If you didn't take anything in the early morning notes to heart and didn't do anything with it, what you'll find later on is me dissuading traders from shorting the market in the hole. It's a very, very difficult thing to do. What does that mean, shorting in the hole? Market's down a lot. You end up taking a short position. And then as soon as you do, you get what? A conveyor belt of pies in the face because the rip-your-face-off rallies tend to come out of nowhere on days like today. We've all seen it many, many times. And the idea is not to do something stupid to get caught in that type of scenario. So what I urge you to do is read the notes. Just take in what was being said. Take in if you're at all looking at this from a learning experience perspective and just say to yourself, hey, can I get any benefit from reading this stuff inside the numbers. You never know what's going to happen on which particular day. Is there a possibility that A, it can be a catalyst to make money on certain days and also B, a catalyst to not lose money on other days? What about stocks on the move? So today's a good day to say, hey, what happened to the stocks on the move on a day like today when the market was down? Tremendous. Well, let's go find out. So we had Juniper, we had Peloton, they both hit their targets. Campbell's did not, PD did, CrowdStrike did not, Momo did, and Sienna jumped the target. Let's start with Sienna, even though it was a no trade, I want to make example out of Sienna. You know how teachers make an example out of students in the class that are acting up or doing something wrong? Well, I want to make an example out of Sienna because it did exactly the thing that we have to protect against, which is why we don't buy the stock underneath the number at the opening bell. So as we got closer to the opening bell, Sienna began to melt away. Now I took a look at it and I said, well, should I put another number on the board? Or is this probably a sign that this thing's going to just get hammered beyond recognition? So that's what I went with. I went with, we'll just leave it alone. So there's a couple of things that we want to point out. A... If they're opening below one of my numbers, it wasn't the destination nine or eight out of 10 times. Sometimes they open below and rip up. We've all seen that. But the majority of the time, this is what happens. It was another number. Doesn't mean these numbers aren't important. It's just, it wasn't important today. Well, to an extent, what's the high of day today? 46.84. What was the number on the board? 46.83. Do we think that that's an accident or a coincidence? No, we don't. Didn't help us do anything today. I'm just pointing something out. The numbers 
are important. There's always something to learn from every trade, whether it happened or didn't. Was I able to at least confirm that 46.83 was in fact a good number, just wasn't the number today? And the answer is absolutely. What happened to Juniper? Well, the number on the board was 22.94. You can see it getting its buzz cut at the open. And what you'll find today is stocks had a very, very difficult time getting a rally, catching a bid. Why is that? Because the S&P was getting taken out behind the woodshed. Remember, it's all the same market. When you have days like today, when everything is up 3% or down 3%, it's likely that the majority, not everything, but the majority of stocks are participating in that direction. So you have to just know that going in. If you're in a stock and it's just going back and forth and it can't catch a bid and the market is just going lower and lower and lower, it's pretty obvious that's the reason. Net-net, $22.94 was in fact important. We're just going to call it a scratch and move it along. The number still worked. Peloton... Similar type of price action in Peloton to what we just saw in Juniper. You can see the two numbers or in and around those numbers. Those were important numbers. Go to the second number, split the difference if you're painting by the numbers, and you get the deal. They go back and forth. They give you the deal right out of the gate, painting by the numbers. The high was 83.65. Painting by the numbers, you're at about 82.30. What's also interesting is... Some traders had to be looking at the board early on with the inside the numbers or the stocks on the move list. And some of the numbers were absolutely far away. And I know what traders are thinking. Well, how the hell is it going to get there? Why did he even bother putting that up on the board? Funny how that works. You're going to see a similar theme. Here's another one. PD, 2533. And you see what happened. The stock traded around that number all day long. A, it was the number. B, the market basically prevented us from getting any kind of real rip-your-face-off-anything in any of these stocks. That's just the way it worked today. But the takeaway is, the numbers work. If there had to be a shit show, it was in Momo. We look at the good, the bad, and the ugly. If there has to be an ugly one today, it's Momo. It's not that it was a stop-out, you just never got the bounce, so anybody that was participating from price number one and two ended up right around price number three, so regardless of whether or not it was a stop at, it was a shit show. There's no other way to do it than just chalk it up to, this is a product of what happened in the market today. And even if the market was up today, and this was still a shit show, we're still going to look at the good, the bad, and the ugly. Now we're going to look at something else. We're going to do a little pseudo lesson. I'm not going to do the whole lesson. I'm going to point something out. And what's going to happen is traders that have taken the lazy e-mini course that don't see what I'm about to point out are going to go back and watch the course because this is really what it's all about. In the course, and I say this all the time, all charts act and react the same way. So I prove that point in the course. Does anybody see anything in that box, anything at all, that really speaks to stuff that we talk about every single day? Here's a five-minute chart. In there, you have a breakup candle, and in there, you have the market running down on time to test the low of a breakup candle. Not just one reason, but two. What happens after that? The market has a rip higher 
and goes right to a high of a breakdown candle. What do markets like to do? They like to test the highs of breakdown candles and the lows of break up candles. What does it do? Puts in a doji candle and trades away. If you can tell me with a straight face that that exact scenario, everything I just talked about, isn't taught in the course at length, I'll eat my hat. These videos are great. They're continuing education. But if you want the nuts and the bolts, if you want to look behind the curtain, it's all found in the course Lazy E-Mini Trader. Camp IWM. How about the rope-a-dope yesterday? They're bullish. They're trying to break out. They're riding the 20-period moving average. We talked about the fact that they were in this bullish type of formation, right, before today. This is what it looked like in yesterday's video, and they were starting to break out to the upside, only to wake up to the rope-a-dope. Where's support for the IWM? How about 148.5, give or take? Eh, maybe a little lower, maybe 148, in that zone. Let's have a different discussion. We'll use this as a teachable moment. We talk about former breakout areas, former breakdown areas, so we could consider this a breakout area. The market basically ate time off the clock in here and then broke out. So ultimately, it's going to come down here and revisit that same area. But there's another area that really has the same effect. The market gapped up to this area after this, right? So here, the market gaps up to this area. So somewhere in this zone where the market gapped up to is also typically support. Doesn't always hold but a lot of times it does hold at least for a period of time. So if we're going to get a dead cap bounce and this area is going to hold, you can expect the market or at least the IWM on this chart to revert back to these moving averages up in the 155 neighborhood. What we're saying is that both these areas, not that they are the same, they just have a similar effect. Breakout area, this is also considered a breakout area. There's plenty of breakout areas on every chart. We're always focused on the most recent breakout area or the most recent breakdown area. We don't have to worry about the one after that until after that. By the way, here's a little short hop. I want to point something else out. The market didn't just find support at one breakup candle low. It found it at two of them. So here's one, right? This is the first time. Then it goes lower. Looks like it's going to fail. What was it doing? It was running down to test the next breakup candle low. Didn't quite get all the way to the bottom, but the point is you had a little bit of a safety net if you really want to split hairs. Look, this is a five-minute chart, and I'm just using it for illustration purposes, but this is the same illustration that I use in the course. It's the same illustration we can use every single day. Doesn't matter whether it's a five-minute chart, 20-minute chart, 45-minute chart, two-hour chart. Makes no difference. How do you like them apples? The RSP. How about the breakout, fakeout, breakout yesterday? Same thing like the IWM. Looks very similar to the IWM, doesn't it? But being the umpire, we have to note something. There's always a method to the madness, so I'm going to explain this in a second. The RSP was down less than the SPY. Why is that? For the same reason that we look at the RSP to begin with. It's an equal weight index. The reason the SPY was climbing and the RSP wasn't at the same magnitude was because the SPY is top-heavy in comparison. Same top-heavy brought it lower today than the RSP because the stuff that was keeping 
the index top-heavy and rising every day is the stuff that you're trying to shove 10 pounds of shit into a 5-pound bag. That's just the way it works. It's just a mirror image of each other. What about the folks down at the transportation department? Again, we take a look at the chart and we say, hey, still in an uptrend, bad day, reversal day, we get all that, down 2.5%. But the thing was climbing forever. So it's one day. We're not going to make a federal case out of one day, but this was a bigger down day, so it holds more weight. The awareness? There's nothing wrong with the trend. The trend is the same as it was yesterday. If you're analyzing the markets objectively, you have no choice but to look at the market that way. Whether you're a bull or a bear, doesn't matter. Let me make this case. Is this a breakout area right here? Did the market break out from this area where it basically ate time off the clock for a week and a half or whatever it was? And the answer is absolutely. What do markets like to do? You know the routine. They like to come back and check in. Is there a possibility that's all that's going on? Maybe a couple, three down days, and then it turns around and goes back up. Maybe it takes a week or two to get there, then it goes back up. Is that possible? Absolutely that's possible. Start getting below that area, closing below that area, something different. How about a little air finally out of the Q balloon? I mean, geez louise. Is that a blow-off top? Is it not a blow-off top? Maybe it is, maybe it's not. We don't know, doesn't matter. Same routine. The trend is the same, it's up. Nothing wrong with the trend, but you have to realize that a down day of 5% is not the norm. Our eyebrows get raised, and the makeup of the market, the character of the market, changed today, whether you like it or not. Is anybody out there really surprised at a down day like this? No, absolutely not. First of all, we've been talking about the fact that we're looking for a turn for about four weeks. We also said about 10 dozen times that the market can go a lot higher than most people think that it ever can. Guess what? It went a lot higher than I ever thought that it would. Doesn't matter how high. We were waiting for a sign and or signal of a trend change. That's the way this works. The XLF spiked through the 200 period moving average and rejected. So it squeezed in between. So we can't really make anything one way or the other out of this. Down 36 cents, 1.4%. Can we make a federal case out of that? No, it's just a down day in terms of the XLF. In fact, if you look across the board at some of the financial stocks, what you'll notice is there was actually some relative strength in the financials. So that's interesting. If you're an umpire, put that in your ball carrier and check it out. Bank of America down 1.3%. The S&P 500 was down over 3%. Relative strength. JP Morgan, same routine. Down one-third of 1%. Relative strength. Citigroup, down less than 1%. Relative strength. You gotta look at both sides of the market and you have to be objective. When you can show up every day saying to yourself, I don't really care which way the market goes, as long as I can participate with whatever it's doing. That's when you begin to find real success. Check your bias at the door, put it in your back pocket, and move on. About Smash Mouth, all the way into the 20-period moving average. Good proxy for the tech space. On par with the tech space today, they were both down about 5%. Teetering on that 20-period moving average, if they give it up, 
The 50 period moving average may be support, but if they come down with a lot of velocity, you're looking at 159, give or take. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. It's everything I wanted to and intended to discuss. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis. Thank you.